Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. They take care of our air conditioning. And you can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Dan Cowell is running for Cuyahoga County Commissioner in District 4. We'll find out what his intentions are. Dr. George Markovich is an orthopedic surgeon. In fact, he replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I'm grateful for it. And the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is October the 7th, and on this day in 2001, a U.S.-led coalition began attacks on the Taliban-controlled Afghanistan with a brief bombing campaign by American and British forces. Logistical support was provided by other nations, including France, Germany, Australia, Canada, and Later, troops were provided by the anti-Taliban Northern Alliance rebels. The invasion of Afghanistan was the opening salvo in the United States' war on terror in response to the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks on New York and Washington, D.C. The conflict in Afghanistan would span two decades and become the longest war in United States history. Dubbed Operation Enduring Freedom in the U.S. military parlance, the invasion of Afghanistan was intended to target a terrorist mastermind, Osama bin Laden's al-Qaeda organization, which was based in the country, as well as the extreme fundamentalist Taliban government that had ruled most of the country since 1996 and supported the protected al-Qaeda. The Taliban, which was imposed its extremist version on Islam of Islam on the entire country, also perpetuated countless human rights abuses against its people, especially women, girls, and ethnic Hazaras. During their rule, large numbers of Afghans lived in utter poverty, and as many as 4 million Afghans are thought to have suffered from starvation. In the weeks prior to the invasion, both the United States and the UN Security Council had demanded the Taliban turn over Osama bin Laden for prosecution after deeming the Taliban's counteroffers unsatisfactory among them to try to uh, bin Laden in the Islamic court. The invasion began in the aerial bombardment of uh, Taliban and Al-Qaeda, other coalition planes, flew in airdrops of humanitarian supplies for Afghan civilians. The Taliban called the actions an attack <clears throat> on Islam. After the air campaign softened Taliban defenses, the coalition began a ground invasion with Northern Alliance forces providing most of the troops in the United States and other uh, nations, giving air and ground support. On November the 12th, and over a month after the military action began, Taliban officials and their forces retreated from the capital of Kabul. By early December, Kandahar, the last Taliban stronghold, had fallen, and Taliban leader Mohammed, uh, Mullah Muhammad Omar went into hiding rather than surrender. Uh, Al-Qaeda fighters continued to hide out in Afghanistan's mountains Tora Bora region, where they were engaged by anti-Taliban Afghan forces backed by U.S. Special Forces troops. Al-Qaeda soon initiated a truce, which is now believed to have been a ploy to allow Osama bin Laden and other key Al-Qaeda members to escape to the neighboring uh, Pakistan. By mid-December, the bunker and cave complex used by Al-Qaeda and Tora Bora had been captured, but there was no sign of bin Laden. Following a 10-year manhunt, bin, 
bin Laden was finally found and killed in Pakistan by U.S. Navy SEALs on May the 2nd, 2011. By the way, against Joe Biden's advice. After Torbora, a grand council of Afghan tribal leaders and former exiles were convened under the leadership of Hamid Kazai, who first served as interim leader before becoming the first democratically elected president of Afghanistan on December the 7th, 2004, even as Afghanistan began to take the first steps towards democracy, however, there were more than 10,000 U.S. troops in the country. Al-Qaeda and Taliban forces began to regroup in the mountainous border regions between Afghanistan and Pakistan. Over the next decade plus, they continued to engage U.S. and Afghan troops in guerrilla-style warfare and were responsible for the deaths of elected government officials and aid workers and kidnapping of foreigners. Despite a peace agreement signed between the Taliban and the U.S. forces in 2020, hostilities on both sides continued. In April 2021, President Biden, who, like his previous two predecessors, pledged to end the war in Afghanistan, set the deadline of September the 11th, 2021 as the date of full U.S. withdrawal. And with the final drawdown effort to begin in May, by early August of that year, Taliban began retaking the country. On August the 15th, 2021, the capital of Kabul, uh, Kabul fell to Taliban forces in Afghanistan. President Arif Ghani uh, fled to the United Arab Emirates. Following the collapse of the Afghan government and Taliban victory on August the 31st, President Biden declared the war on Afghanistan officially over. What a mess it was. During the 20-year conflict, more than 3,500 Allied soldiers were killed, 20,000-plus Americans injured, approximately 69,000 Afghan security forces were killed, along with roughly 51,000 civilians and 51,000 militants. According to the United Nations, some 5 million Afghanis have been displaced by the war since 2012, making Afghanistan the world's third-largest displaced population. We went in to fight the Taliban, and then we handed the country to them 20 years later. Unbelievable. Well, a recent report from CNBC indicated Americans are paying the highest prices for gas in the last seven years, and some cities have gas prices as high as $5 a gallon. Uh, Americans are paying the highest at the pump due to a steady climb in the nation has seen in, over the past year. According to the American Automobile Association, a federation of motor clubs throughout North America, the national average price of gasoline was $3.22. We were energy independent a year ago, and now we're not, and we're paying the price, all of us, at the gas pumps. Well, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland recently instructed the FBI to begin investigating parents who confront school board administrators over critical race theory indoctrination material. The U.S. Department of Justice issued a memorandum to the FBI instructing them to initiate investigations of any parent attending a local school board meeting who might be viewed as a confrontational, intimidating, or harassing. Attorney General Merrick Garland's daughter is Rebecca Garland. In 2018, she married Zan Taylor. Ms. Taylor, Zan Taylor is the current co-founder of a controversial education company called Panorama Education. It's a social learning resource material provider to schools and teachers that teaches, guess what, critical race theory. Attorney General Merrick Garland is facing fresh scrutiny for his ties to a company that promotes the types of content parents are opposing in their ongoing battle with local school boards, a hot button issue that Garland has recently targeted for investigation on a national level. 
Merrick Garland has declared a war on parents, uh, uh, parents defending education, president said. His daughter is married to the co-founder of Panorama Ed, who is under fire for its multi-million dollar contracts with school boards. As she noted, the New York Times reported in 2018 that Garland's daughter Rebecca had married Panorama co-founder Zan Taylor. Panorama's ties to Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg have also inspired skepticism as his company has gone under fire for the way it uses data and impacts users' psychological health. A.G. Garland, you got to go. You should resign. That real conflict of interest is very much written into the Code of Ethics for the Department of Justice, and you violated. You should resign. Well, following a Department of Justice announcement money that would direct the FBI to mobilize against parents who allegedly threatened teachers and school board members, our governor, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, promised that the state would defend parents amid GOP outcry against the move. Attorney General Garland is weaponizing the DOJ by using the FBI to pursue concerned parents and silence them through intimidation, he wrote. Florida will defend free speech rights of its citizens and will not allow federal agents to squelch dissent, wrote DeSantis. The Justice Department stated it would create a task force to see how the federal government can be used to prosecute any criminal conduct toward teachers or how to assist state and local authorities to investigate such threats came under a National Association of School Boards asking Biden administration to use extraordinary measures to prevent allegation threats against school board staff. <clears throat> this is just unbelievable. This is a new low for the Department of Justice. And can you imagine the federal government spying on parents who are concerned about the education quality of their kids? And again, Governor Santos making great decisions. Just really appreciate uh, his leadership. By the way, on another topic, <clears throat> the head of the U.S. National Institutes of Health is stepping down amid lingering questions regarding his agency's funding of research in China, that uh, gain-of-function research. Dr. Francis Collins has served as NIH director for over 12 years in a tenure that has spanned three administrations. He says it's been an incredible privilege to lead this great agency for more than a decade, he said. I love this agency and its people so deeply that the decision to step down was a difficult one, but uh, done in close counsel with my wife, Diane Baker. And also, he didn't say this, but also in consideration of the fact that they're after me for funding gain of research uh, at the uh, Wuhan lab. In any event, he's stepping down and hopes will begin moving closer to Fauci. Collins and Fauci were untruthful when they claimed before Congress that NIH did not support gain of function research or potential pandemic pathogen enhancements. At the Wuhan lab, Wuhan lab, of course, was an outright lie. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lula Bee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lullaby's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and now building a performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, going to be visiting with Dr. George Markovich, orthopedic surgeon. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a, a not-for-profit organization. We've been around since about 2012-13. Uh, we focus on K-12 through education reform. Uh, actually headed to Tallahassee next week, uh, fighting for some legislation. Um, we are very much in favor of uh, parental choice, school choice options. And, of course, we're fighting the indoctrination, the critical race theory, and the pornography in our schools. And uh, this is all coming to light right now in the news, and it's just so exciting. You're kind of in the eye of the storm right now with the things that really matter to parents. And, uh, of course, I will just say that uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance has done a fabulous job of, of really enhancing uh, legislation in uh, Florida <clears throat> to support good education here uh, in pub our public schools. So, uh, Keith, you had a great event with uh, uh, Colonel Allen West. Uh, can you give us any feedback? No, it went very well. We did it uh, on October 5th, two days ago, at Seed to Table with Alfie Oaks as the co-host. And uh, Alan's just such an amazing speaker, uh, really motivating. And, uh, you know, his whole focus was education. So we were delighted that, uh, that he left people with... Uh, uh, hopefully, much to do and and the willingness to do it. But yeah. it was a it was a really good event. No, I'm so happy for you. Well, that's great to hear. 
So, hey, uh, right now we've had the Attorney General come down on parents uh, saying that they could be domestic terrorists. I can't even keep a straight face when I think about it. This is so stupid. But uh, And I know that our governors come up and say, well, look, we're going to protect parents uh, and, uh, and their free speech here in Florida. Any thoughts and uh, any actions on the part of the Florida Citizen Alliance? Well, um, I, I don't know what the, we're at the action stage yet today. I'm actually doing an interview later today with Epic Times, believe it or not, on the subject. Um, the, uh, the, there's no question that the federal government is weaponizing uh, their overreach authority, their violation of the Constitution, uh, to infringe upon uh, you know, First Amendment rights of, of parents and grandparents. Um, we don't have a lot of time, but a personal experience back in May, when a number of us went to the Collier County School Board and refused to wear a mask, um, the uh, a dis a district attorney uh, for the school board uh, instructed the two sheriff's deputies to remove me from the meeting. Huh. Um, they stepped back. They did not step forward. Um, so what, what, what that really tells me uh, in many respects is as this unfolds, the governor has to stand tall on the Tenth Amendment, and our local sheriffs have to have to stand tall to support and, and defend and interpose themselves against a, a, you know just this outrageous federal government overreach. See, so this goes back to this uh, sanctuary for uh, the Tenth Amendment or for our, uh, our the Bill of Rights that uh, was. Uh, uh, being voted on in Cuyahoga County Commissioners, and frankly, they, they could have put some more teeth in it because it really gives strength to the sheriff's office as well as other elected officials to stand up against uh, this kind of nonsense. I couldn't agree more, uh, but not to be overly pragmatic, but I, I think between now and election time, there's absolutely no chance to get uh, the three of our Board of County Commissioners who voted against the Bill of Rights uh, to stand tall and reconsider that, but there um, is an opportunity to have new commissioners. <laughs> yes, and let's do everything we can. We're a five hundred one c three, so we can't endorse candidates, but we can certainly vet candidates, and we will be doing all of our forums and vetting of candidates and encouraging people to get out and uh, li literally let's vote for some. Uh, some new players who believe in the Constitution. Absolutely. So, Keith, what's uh, what's on your plate uh, going forward right now? Well, two two things. Next week, we're taking a group of uh, eight to ten of us to Tallahassee uh, meetings with right now about twenty legislators. I expect that to maybe double. On uh, and we have a big event coming up on the fourteenth with Chris Ann Hall here locally. Uh, it'll be at the Silver Spot Theater. It uh, costs a whopping $15, uh, unless you're a student, which is free. And uh, what's really exciting is we're doing an essay contest for students. So uh, any student who puts their essay in one page, 25, uh, 250 words on a subject that we've published uh, could win a $1,000 scholarship. Uh, nice. Uh, this, is the, this is the first of six of these series we're going to be doing between now and March. And each one of them, students will have an opportunity to win a $1,000 scholarship. That's just outstanding. If you haven't heard a chance, had a chance to listen to Chris Ann Hall, she is a fantastic speaker and a real defender of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and our uh, individual freedoms. She tells great stories in the history of uh, the Constitution as well. So she, I'm sure it will be a riveting speech. Uh, it, it's, she's actually done a documentary, and what we're going to do is play her documentary, and then 
uh, have her, she'll have about a half hour of interactive time with the audience. Oh, that's outstanding, Keith. Good. And, and anything on the legislative front that's really important to you going forward in this legislative session? Yeah, there's uh, a number of things starting to pop. Uh, Representative Fine has filed a critical race theory bill that uh, is patterned after the Oklahoma law that we like. Um, uh, we don't have time to get into it now, but maybe next week. Um, interestingly enough, you remember that we got the Action Civics Bill, uh, we got the governor to veto the Action Civics Bill in the last cycle that was passed by 100% of both chambers. Uh, Senator Brennis has refiled that bill, uh, so we'll have an opportunity to help him uh, get his, his uh, bill voted down again. Right. So, <laughs> so Never a boring moment or a dull moment. Yeah, absolutely. Keith Law, again, co-founder of the Florida Citizens. I urge you to visit uh, the website, goflca.com, goflca.com. I'm sure you can get tickets to the, uh, to the event with Chris Ann Hall on the website. Yes. Okay. It's very easy. There's an event tab there, and just scroll down to the Chris Ann Hall event and uh, register. GoFLCA.com is the website. Keith, always appreciate your commentary and the great work you're doing for uh, students in our Florida public schools. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, take care. Have a great weekend. Bye. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Don Cowell. Dan Cowell, I should say. He's a candidate for Cuyahoga County Commissioner and uh, District 4. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new refreshing social networking platform. And you can download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Dan Cowell. He's a candidate for Collier County Commissioner in District 4. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, good morning, Bob. Good morning, Dan. So uh, tell us why you've decided to run for uh, commissioner in Collier County Commissioner in District 4. Well, I think uh, me and the people of Collier County uh, both feel the same way about particular goals that I think our government, our local government needs to um, achieve. And I think we've been getting away from that over the past years. You know, I think we, we all agree that we want a smaller, more conservative county government, a much stronger defense of our constitutional rights where they can't be uh, abused or pick and choose which ones we actually uh, protect as a government because mm-hmm. that's basically the government's job is just to protect your rights, not to tell you what they are. And, uh, of course, a safer place to live and thrive with your family, and I believe there's no way around the growth here in Southwest Florida because it's probably one of the best places to live in the whole country. Right. And I think we're seeing a lot of uh, people just moving out of the <clears throat> red states, the red cities from the Northeast, the Midwest, trying to find a better life for them and their families. And uh, we're going to get growth, and we're going to have to be able to manage that growth with, uh, without putting a burden of extra increased taxes on our community. And I think that takes a special person to co- complete those tasks along with the people of Collier County. Well, thank you, Dan. So tell us about uh, you. Tell us about your background. Well, <clears throat> I've always had this uh, feeling to serve and, and serve my country, even at a young age. I graduated high school in 1984. I grew up in western Pennsylvania, uh, north, north, north suburb of the city of Pittsburgh. And I think it was summer of 84, I decided to enter into the United States Army. I served most of my time with the 5th Infantry Division. I completed my tour after six years of service to the military and came home. I kicked around a little bit. I did some work with some engineering firms, doing some structural inspection work for highways and bridges. And I didn't feel I was directly helping people. You know, in a way I was because of making sure things are safe. Right. But I still had that urge to serve. So I went, took it on my own and started taking some criminal justice courses. And then I ended up, uh, getting the opportunity to work in Washington, D.C. with the United States Capitol Police. And at one point, I got promoted to a special agent, and then I was part of the Dignitary Protection Unit working in Washington, D.C. And one of the major events that we're all, you know, we all know about, we just had an observance of this year was the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. And that was a big part of when I was in Washington, D.C., when I worked there. And it changed a lot of uh, 
changed my future, especially in my, my mission and my task at that time. It changed a lot. I had to do a lot of traveling. And it was around the beginning of 2003, that's when I uh, relocated to Southwest Florida. Had the opportunity to get a job with the Collier County Sheriff's Department under Sheriff Hunter at the time. And I just spent the last 18 and a half years working in multiple positions with the Sheriff's Department. I just retired about oh, a little over four weeks ago. Congratulations. So long 28-year pretty much career in law enforcement, coupled with the time I spent in the military. So I've done nothing but serve pretty much the people and the people of this country and locally here in Collier County. You know, I've always been a person that believes to put the God, country, and family first. And I carry that with me. Thank you. Know, within my soul, and I, I believe that we need to start having people with that type of uh, integrity and attitude, even in our local government. Because uh, right now, I think we're we're faced with uh, things we haven't seen in a long time, especially the way our federal government's treating our southern border. So I think it makes it more and more important that we have people to understand how important public safety is to keep a safe uh, community like we have here. We've been used to, but we can't let that slip away. Absolutely. So, Dan, what are some of the key issues and things that uh, are important to you if you become Cuyahoga County Commissioner? What are some of the things that you'd like to focus on? Well, of course, public safety is pretty much my specialty. So I want to make sure that moving forward, you know, we, we had... 13,000 uh, illegal immigrants that pretty much weren't vested that uh, President Biden released into our country. And there's a good chance that a portion of them are going to end up here in Southwest Florida. Yeah. Now we're talking, even our uh, attorney general, when they went to the, her and the governor DeSantis went to the border, they saw firsthand that, you know, these people were not getting vetted. They're just... And they agree there's a lot are going to end up here in southwest Florida. And if our federal government's not going to protect us, we've got to make sure our local government's going to protect us. And I want to make sure our sheriff's department, our police departments, our public safety, you know, has the right tools and the right people in the right positions to, uh, to protect us, you know, moving forward. Absolutely. Now they're looking at another, what, 20,000, 30,000 people possibly working their way up towards the border. Uh, it's going to continue until something changes. I mean, we got to have a this upcoming election in this midterm. We need to flip the House and the Senate to start pulling the reins in on this uh, president. No question, vice president. So, Dan, do you have a website? <clears throat> yes, it's uh, www vote for Dan. K-O-W-A-L, that's kowal.com. VoteForDanKowal.com is the website. All one word, VoteForDanKowal.com. Uh, Dan, I just uh, really wish you all the best in this election coming up. Uh, really, well, And uh, we're, we're going to have you back on the show and talk about some of the issues. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. 
Well, thank you, Bob, and uh, thank your audience for giving me the opportunity to introduce myself. My pleasure, Dan. Have a great day. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. George Markovich. He's an orthopedic surgeon. He replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I'm so grateful for it. So we're going to visit with him. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. It's now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence, serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us my orthopedic surgeon, Dr. George Markovich. As I mentioned before the break, he replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I'm so grateful that he did. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Good morning. Good morning, Dr. Markovich. So uh, I understand that you recently attended a seminar, and the whole uh, topic of racism came up. Uh, can you share that with us? Of course. So uh, I just went to the Association of Bone and Joint Surgeons meeting. It's a select group from surgeons all over the world, uh, very distinguished, educated people who are wonderful. And, and the, one of the afternoon sessions was about racism and <clears throat> inclusivity, and it was fascinating. It was uh, Dr. Kamara Jones, wonderful speaker, um, 
brought up, you know, quite a few points that I found, uh, you know, that were at odds with the way I think. And so it, it was a, it was an entertaining, helpful exercise. Hmm. You know, I grew up in an anatomy lab in my professional career, and when you take away people's skin, everybody's the same. You yeah. can't tell the difference. So yeah. I've always had trouble determining, uh, you know, what the difference is between racism and ignorance. Uh, <clears throat> but um, that being said, I know it exists, and, and for about three hours, for the first time, it's a very scientifically driven meeting, we talked about it. <clears throat> and after she delivered her uh, uh, speech, if you will, um, one of the spine surgeons who's, who's very uh, well-known uh, told a story that he was treating uh, one of his patients, a, a young man, an adolescent, <clears throat> um, and during the course of uh, saving his leg and saving his life, uh, he had lost his hair, and when it grew back, it was, you know, big and pronounced, and he looked very different than the beginning of treatment. He looked healthy, and, and he said, you know, man, you look like a rock star. You you look like Jimi Hendrix. He was so happy, and that came out of his mouth. And he wondered aloud if he was being racist in a way uh, for for his expressing his excitement in that manner to this young man, who, who took no offense, by the way. <clears throat> and the answer from the, the, the doctor uh, speaking about racism was, well, at least he could see you. Uh, meaning that he should be thinking more than what he is in terms of just being able to treat patients and doing his best for them. <clears throat> it was interesting uh, response. So, you know, I've always thought about the goal of our character and our development is to develop to reach our full potential. <clears throat> it seems like uh, some people think that uh, that uh, method uh, has to be graded upon, you know, how we look somehow. Mm -hmm. And I have trouble understanding that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my, my personal opinion is that uh, we're all individuals, and uh, you and I are close friends. So we've, uh, you've replaced both of my knees. We've developed a great friendship, which I just really treasure. Uh, but there's no way that you can really understand or know What's I'm thinking and my feelings, I mean, unless I express them to you, and vice versa. I mean, the only people that we can really understand is ourselves. <laughs> and this whole notion of group identity and group uh, identity politics makes no sense to me. Now, I could have racist thoughts, and, uh, and therefore it could drive even affect my behavior, but that's me. That's not the society. That's not uh, our city. That's not our county. That's me that's having those thoughts. And uh, the same thing with you. And so the point being is that we don't have a problem with racism. We may have people in our society that are racist. And there could be, for example, a critical mass of them, and that would be a problem. But uh, it has to be dealt with, I think, on an individual basis. It's, it's certainly got nothing to do with uh, having people making judgments about their skin color and changing their behavior because of that. Uh, people, that is racist, in my opinion. Right. Right, and and you know this group was a very diverse group of uh, Asian, Indian, African American, uh, you know, European, whatever it may be. But you know, I I went back to the room. I did some work. I thought about some of the stuff I heard, and then that evening we went to a, a dinner. And you know, I, I I got on the bus, and there was a bus driver there, and we got to talking. He was near retirement, wonderful individual, mm -hmm. and he he told me. 
he had driven five presidents. And here's African-American, wonderful, you know, guy who has driven a bus millions and millions of miles, yeah. including for five presidents. And he goes, you know, Reagan was the best. This is what the guy's telling me. And uh-huh. I go, really? Uh, why? He goes, well, he looked me in the eye, and he, he looked and acted like he was really looking and interacting with me, mm-hmm. the person. And after we had time together, he offered me, uh, you know, a, a tip or uh, extra money. He took it out of his own pocket, and it was really meaningful. It felt genuine. And I was even more impressed with him to be able to even feel the way he is in the city of Chicago, in the surroundings. You know, he had character, and it was a pleasure to uh, meet somebody like that. And I was taken aback by, you know, his comments. Yeah. That is so interesting. You can imagine... Uh, he probably has a different view of uh, all the presidents, frankly. Did, what, did he have a least favorite? Did he mention that? He didn't mention that. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he's a positive type of guy that I talked to for several minutes. He probably wouldn't think that way. Yeah. And, and that's probably a good way to be. Yeah. yeah. Be positive, you know. Like, my son, I talked about this with my son, and he goes, Dad, you know, when you have a splinter or even a couple of splinters, you don't cut off the foot. Yeah. I was very proud that <laughs> he, he can have that kind of analogy when you're thinking about complex topics. Yeah, a lot of wisdom in that comment, for sure. <laughs> so, Doctor, to changing the topic sli- slightly, I mean, uh, right now you're performing surgeries, uh, and, and sometimes they're in hospitals, but I understand that there's been a hiatus for uh, surgeries, and uh, I guess they call them elective uh, procedures, Uh, How's it all going, I guess is the question. I think it's coming back to some normalcy. You're right, the elective cases were suspended for a few weeks at the hospital, and uh, it seems like the uh, influx of patients from the Delta variant, things like that, is is slowing down. I think some of it was staffing issues as well. Mm -hmm. There's less people who could take care of the volume of patients because several have left the, you know, hospital system. They're traveling to other places. Uh, and, and so it might, it might have been a staffing thing as well as a increased, you know, volume. Uh, but it, it's coming back uh, to some normalcy uh, now. Uh, we're, of course, doing everything we can outpatient. <clears throat> and I have several patients today having joint replacements and outpatient center where there's no risk. I mean, there's the hospitals have risk because they're sick patients, and anytime you have uh, increased uh, amount of viral uh, elements, uh, you're going to increase your risk. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why you should try to stay out of the hospital. And uh, if you are going to go to hospital, try to limit your exposure by going home the same day. So we've been implementing that and able to continue with that. Uh, but, of course, some patients can't have that. They have complex problems. They need to be in the hospital. And uh, so it's, it's, it's a challenging thing, but there's a lot of challenges in life, Bob. Absolutely. And, and this is one of them. Now, I do, just to follow up on your comments, uh, I know that uh, some hospital systems are saying that if you don't get the jab, you can't work here. 
and uh, we're seeing hospitals losing uh, professionals across the country. And uh, in fact, I, I recall one case where they're saying they're going to bring in the National Guard to <laughs> fill in some of the roles. How's it going locally? So <clears throat> I'm not sure what the response is. I don't understand that. I, I think, you know, if you're, if you're talking about a vaccine, uh, does that mean flu shots are mandatory? Does that mean that other things are mandatory? And so if you've had COVID, you have natural immunity. We've been at this fight for almost two years. Uh, So, you know, that is a choice that people have to make uh, on their own. And I think it's a slippery slope. I think that when you mandate people to do things from a governmental standpoint, uh, it begins a a very, uh, you know, concerning road uh, because what's next? Exactly. And so um, I think rather than submission and, and uh, you know, uh, being told that you have to do this and that and the other, uh, people should make informed decisions and uh, not put themselves at risk in anything that they do. I would agree with that. And, and furthermore, when you mandate something like that, those that might be in doubt, I think that could lead to, to just absolute resistance. <laughs> I know I'm not going to do it uh, type of reaction. Among Americans, I think a lot of, there's a, a sense of free spirit and individuality among Americans. And uh, uh, the whole notion of having to mandate something, that if you don't have the personal influence and power to convince people of what to do because it's in their best interest, and you have to resort to mandates and demanding, uh, frankly, you're just depending on your position, and that's a, a weak place to be, quite frankly. Exactly right. Uh, Our country is based on rugged individualism, and it should celebrate that, not uh, beat it down. Absolutely. Dr. George Markovich, I just want to point out what a fantastic surgeon you are and what a great job you've done for me. And uh, I must say, I was literally so bull-legged and deformed (laughs) when you did the the knee surgery for me and uh, really changed my life for the positive. And if you have joint uh, pain, Visit Dr. Markovich. You shouldn't be in pain, and uh, he can help you in so many ways. Four eight two five three nine nine is the is the phone number. Four eight two five three nine nine. Dr. Markovich, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. 
That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us somebody who knows an awful lot about that. That's uh, Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, it's uh, my pleasure always to be with you uh, on a Thursday. Yeah. Uh, you have a warm Thursday. I got a cold one up here this morning. Well, I mean, that's just pointing out that you're in upstate New York right now with uh, Zsa, Zsa the Bulldog and your... <laughs> and Ava the Cat. <laughs> Ava the Cat, your wonderful wife, Chris. So, uh, Zsa, Zsa was going to the vet. Did everything turn out all right last week? Yeah, yeah. Every, everything was good, and thanks for asking. She's, uh, you know, getting up there in years at 12 and a half years old is pretty old for a bulldog, and she's got some eye issues, but... Um, the vet was wonderful up here, and uh, we've got uh, drops and whatever. So, yep, we keep moving on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good stuff. So, I was wondering, is, is there any good scoop on what's happening? Because I know you're following the uh, city council meetings and workshops and so forth. Anything going on? Yeah, you, you, you should say everything is going on. Well, you know, I, I'll tell you, they... Um, you know that Dana got the job, by the way. Dana Souza got the job as uh, city manager at Sanibel. Yeah. And uh, which is a terrific thing for him. But I will tell you that the the morale that's in the city is, is, is just, uh, in all my years, I've never seen it quite so bad. The staff is, uh, is worried. Um, you have a, a mayor who's looking for nothing but power. And uh, council, in their wisdom, has... Uh, kind of shut her down the last uh the last couple of weeks bob she uh trying to get the city attorney to, to 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 become the interim city manager in the meantime before they find one and that got nixed uh real fast yesterday mm. and uh so either pt maria the the fire chief who would do a good job in the interim or gary young our finance director and i think that's where it's going to come down to they have another special meeting called, uh, I think, next week uh, to determine what, what they're going to do. But you can't have a city without a city manager for very long. It just, it just doesn't work. I would There's think some so. wonderful employees, and they, 
they're capable of doing their own jobs and they do a fabulous job. Okay, but you, the city manager is the CEO. Okay, I mean the, he he's the really the chief operating officer for yep. the city. He handles all the employees, the mayor and the council. They set policy, and that's that was our that was our main responsibility. People don't realize that is that that we set the policy and the staff and the manager and the staff, they carry out what we, the policies that we set. Um, and it's gotten so far out of hand with micromanaging and they talk and talk and talk yesterday. I don't think they got out till after seven yesterday. My goodness. seems to me, I just reflecting on what you said, I, uh, uh, attorneys have wonderful skill sets and all, but I'm not sure the skill set is managing a city. <laughs> I don't it absolutely is not managing a city um and um you know so so i'm uh, you know watching <clears throat> it's funny bob you know we left politics but we didn't really um got a wonderful candidate i think i told you about the young man ian rudnick yes um and uh there is another gentleman who's who's uh who has announced to run um and um we're 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 gonna take a look at him and listen see what his values are. When I get home, I've got a meeting with him, and um, I don't remember his name. <laughs> it's not old age, Bob. <laughs> I know it's not. Uh, don't you hate that though? My goodness. Yeah, I know. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, so we're we're looking for a few good candidates uh, um, for the council election coming up in February, and uh, as I say, Ian Rudnick is a he's a gem of a young man um, and uh, smart. As 17 years as a as a, a law enforcement officer with the Naples Police Department, uh, a perfect record. So we we think he's he he would be a really really good good candidate and good city council member. But meanwhile, uh, it'll be interesting to watch them in the next week or two or what they're going to do. The council I'm talking about. Um, it is not going to be easy. And I'm going to run you out of time today, but it's not going to be easy to find a city manager. And I can tell you, without a doubt, and knowing the system really well, that any city manager that sees the job opening in Naples, Florida, is certainly going to wonder. Number one, want to know why, and number two, want to know what happened with their predecessor. Okay, mm -hmm. why did he leave? Why did Charles Chapman leave? He was a he's a bright young man. He had a a good career there. Uh, he worked with me really well because. The mayor, Heitman, and the rest of them didn't like him, or they just didn't want to let him do his job, as, a be as better said. So these city managers and county managers, they have their own associations, as you well know. Sure. And, and they know what's going on. And so they're going to ask, you know, they're going to say, well, you know, and they all have the same mental, ap uh, mental attitude, Bob, of, uh, they can cure what's wrong. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that you're going to get a few that are going to apply for the job, no doubt, through a search firm, by the way. But, you know, they're going to see the disruption. They're going to see the, uh, the, 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 the this council micromanages uh, um, and has got their nose stuck where it, where it doesn't belong. And the city attorney doesn't help things either, uh, this new city attorney for the city. Mm -hmm. So. Don't mind me for speaking my piece. No, I'm, I'm appreciative. <laughs> now, if you think about it, certainly Naples would be an attractive place to say, hey, this is where I'd like to take my family and continue my career. That makes oh, all the sense of the sure. world. But, you know, to, to think that uh, you're going to have 12-hour meetings, you're going to have people who are waiting, standing by to make uh, uh, presentations, city employees and uh, staff, 
and to have them sitting there all day and not even get the chance to make their presentations. I mean, that's what's happening right now, isn't it? You are so right. And, and take it a step further, Bob. Let's say that, that, that I have a, something up in front of council of variance or whatever it is, and I have my attorney sitting with me all day, and it's set for a, a time certain at, at, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and at 4 o'clock we're still sitting there, or some clients with their attorneys sitting there all morning waiting to be called, and they jump around. And uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm saying this. Uh, uh, Ms. Heidman might have good intentions, but she's certainly not a leader. There's I'm, no two ways about it. Yeah. That's not saying I was, but I'm just telling you. You were a uh, great leader, Bill. <laughs> it, it, well, <laughs> you're a great. Mayor. I didn't say that to get that back, but I'm just saying to you, it's just very sad to watch. And now that Dana's gone, and Dana was a Dana didn't even apply for the city manager job. Now, what does that tell you? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, he he couldn't he he couldn't couldn't work with that group. Period. And uh, the, I listened to the interviews from Sanibel uh, when they when they had the final three, and uh, it was it was live from five to about seven seven thirty. And their mayor up there in Sanibel, I don't think I ever met her, but I'll tell you what: listening to her speak and the way she worked with council and everything, it was just like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And um, they, on a three to two vote, hired Dana, and then they made it unanimous. And the other two votes were for an internal candidate. So I understand that, you know. But uh, he's going to be going up there, and I think he's going to do a fabulous job. So you want to move to Sanibel with me? <laughs> I like it right <laughs> here, Bill. <laughs> but I must say, uh, it, it's... Uh... It is a shame because we're watching. There's a parallel situation right now with the president of the United States. He seems to have no personal uh, influence right now, and uh, he's right. strictly going on position power. And uh, he more he makes declarations and, and uh, statements about mass and uh, jabs and so forth. It just gets people more and more upset. So, uh, well, leadership you're, counts. You're right. I wish we had more time to talk about this. Uh, maybe next week let's talk about some of the ships that are stuck out there and the. In Los Angeles, that can't get our goods in um, because you can't find people to work, can't find truck drivers. Uh, I mean, it's it's just it's just a, not a good situation, and you just can't spend all day thinking about it. Absolutely, it'll just take you down where you don't want to be. Well, Bill, I just genuinely appreciate uh, your time here on the show, and uh, I'm so happy to hear that Jaja the Bulldog is doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I hope yeah. you say hello to Chris, and thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Will do, and best to Linda from me. Take care, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, we've got great guests lined up. We're going to visit with uh, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. Rick LaCastro is a Collier County Commissioner. Rick will be with us. He's a District 1. We'll also visit with Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. And Michael Cannon is Director of Health Studies uh, at the Cato Institute. We'll have a visit with Michael as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>